0: Hello friends and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And as always, if you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Be sure to go to BiltBar.com, and when you're checking out, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Stay tuned to hear about why Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. This episode is going to be talking about Winnipeg versus the Ottawa Senators, and some fun stuff that has emerged out of this game, as well as some really, um, fun stats, I guess? I I don't even know what to talk about at this point. I I think Winnipeg is kind of lost the plot a little bit, so let's dive into this game with a bit of a spoiler. Winnipeg lost this one 2-1 to in like the last minute and a half of the game. Against the Ottawa Senators, the Jets had plenty of recorded shots on goal, but very few from actually dangerous areas, and in general, I just felt like the Jets weren't particularly sharp. They were just okay is what I would describe it as, but when push came to shove, the Jets completely folded and just sort of fell apart which has largely been the narrative of the past couple of weeks. It's been much worse recently and, and certainly has happened before in the season, but definitely a lot more prevalent during this now seven-game losing streak. Folks, the uh, the Jets are down pretty bad right now, and I feel like there's not much of a way out of this one, and I think Winnipeg is kind of starting to see the curtains drawing a little bit closed. And uh, let's, let's dive into the first period, at least, and kind of get things, at least chronologically speaking, in order, because Winnipeg definitely came out in the first period... Not looking like super dangerous, but I guess capable of at least skating with the Sens. You know, the Jets actually had a very good first couple of shifts. It felt like the Jets were actually going to open the scoring and be the stronger team. They were definitely hemming Ottawa in. The Sens kept making a lot of really silly mistakes and turnovers. And Philip Gustafson and Nett had to make a couple of really good stops. And so I felt like the Jets at least were responding well, even though I wasn't sure if that was actually going to be the best outcome. You know, in a lot of ways, I think the Jets actually need to make a change, and I wasn't really sure if the if the win tonight would be the kind of thing that we're looking for, but by the same token, you don't really want the Jets to lose either, so I was a little bit ambivalent, but either way, the Jets had a brighter start. I thought, well, maybe we'll see what happens. Maybe this is a, uh, a bit of a spark for the team. Who knows, you know, maybe the Jets would actually have a competent performance against a team that has seemingly been a lot more effective as of late. The Suns have a pretty decent record over their last couple of weeks, So they're not like a pushover necessarily, but they're also not a team that should be stressing the Jets all that much. And yet, (laughs) of course, the Jets ended up conceding a shorthanded goal to Connor Brown to open things up. What you could say about this goal is that it is a bit unfortunate. You know, uh, Neil Pionk kind of got caught because the linesman was behind him and the puck sort of skittered between the wall and the referee. And unfortunately, Pionk wasn't able to get back in time. But... I don't know if there's really that many ways to sugarcoat a shorthanded goal. This is not the only one the Jets have conceded, or certainly not the only shorthanded breakaway the Jets have conceded this season. And it was actually a very nicely worked two-on-one between Nick Paul and Brown. So I I just, I don't know, man. I I sort of watch this team, and at times I just sort of throw my hands up because I feel like the Jets... They've kind of thrown in the towel in certain areas. I don't think that this game was like a write off or anything in terms of effort, but yikes. They've been giving up a lot of uh, a lot of shorthanded opportunities recently and certainly a lot of breakaways, which not really something you want to see heading into the postseason. This isn't a really new trend with this team because the defense is not exactly great. They make a lot of really bad turnovers at their own blue line, and sometimes they do it in the neutral zone for a little bit of flavor and variety. So you you get your turnovers and counters off uh, off the rush from Winnipeg's mistakes on a fairly frequent basis and in a variety of manners. After that, I mean, the Jets kept out shooting the Sens and putting Gustafson in an occasionally vulnerable position because I feel like Gustafson, every time a shot came in, he just looked very unsure of himself. It wasn't like he was facing particularly close-in dangerous attempts, but every now and then, some shot from distance got through and caused him some grief. With the kind of saves that Gustafson was making and Winnipeg's, you know, real struggle at even strength to create, I felt like this game was kind of trending in a direction of a loss. I didn't know what the final scoreline would be, but it just didn't seem like the Jets had it. Add that to the fact that Winnipeg kept getting power plays and not actually scoring on any of them, and you just sort of felt like the Jets were very mediocre. This is one of those games where you're just sort of watching and you're thinking to yourself, how exactly is Winnipeg planning to advance in the postseason? Obviously, losing Nikolai Ehlers is very bad for this team, but the way that the Jets have been playing and really struggling to create any sort of even-strength offense that's dangerous is just, it's woeful, man. It's a really bad sight. Doubly so if you're getting a ton of power play opportunities and instead of scoring, you actually concede a shorthanded goal. Just uh, just super cool Winnipeg, very cool. Um, So, yeah, the first period sort of passed by. They were down one nothing. The scoreline didn't really change after that. And I, I think Winnipeg, I don't know, I'm trying to think of ways to say this nicely, but I think the Jets are just kind of cooked, man. I, I think Winnipeg has run out of steam. They seem like all of the, the magic and fortune that they were relying on earlier in the season has sort of faded out. And we're now faced with the reality that in these sorts of games in which the Jets frankly need to have a win, they sort of stumble and fall. This opening period is a very good demonstration of why the Jets are really a hard team to believe in right now. They They don't have much in the way of 5v5 creation, When they do get a power play, yes, it's usually pretty dangerous, but it's more coming from the second unit than it is the first. The first unit definitely does set up some really good scoring opportunities, and Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, those guys, they can all put it in the back of the net relatively easily, but by the same token, I just don't really like the way that they move the puck. You watch the the second unit and the way that it's a lot more fluid, there's a lot more cross seam movement, it's very active, guys are rotating and overlapping more. And it's crazy that the first unit struggles so much with some of the same issues it has for several years now. So, um, the first period, just not really impressive. And it was a very fitting start for a game that really didn't get much better for the Jets as it wore on. As you might expect from what I just said, Winnipeg's performance portfolio did not improve throughout the rest of the evening. But that doesn't mean you have to share Winnipeg's fate when it comes to portfolio investing. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, Dogecoin, to the moon. Day trading can be a ton of fun, but if you don't know what you're doing and want to start off on the right foot for long-term wealth, growth, and investment, consider starting a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing itself is a very complicated process, especially for beginners, but that's why Wealthfront makes it easier than ever. They have the right tools you need for every single portfolio. Wealthfront can generate a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first five thousand dollars managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. Welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets Podcast. We are talking about uh, Winnipeg versus Ottawa and uh, folks, what a game. The second period featured a lot of shooting and not really much else happening. This was one of those games where, especially in the second period, it felt like the Jets got every single power play possible and somehow managed not to score. Some of it was legitimately because Philip Gustafson made a few really fantastic stops, but in general, it just felt like the Jets weren't really good. I I don't know, this is one of those games where... There are remarkably few memorable moments that really stand out. I think one of the best saves came on an opportunity with Josh Morrissey, who was like streaking in on the left side and sort of got restrained from behind. Not quite enough for a penalty, but certainly enough to really throw him off the shot and make it very hard for him to cut inside and score on Philip Gustafson. I I do think the shot placement wasn't great, but I sort of get why he missed it, so it's whatever. Aside from a few moments like that, though, it just felt like the Jets were sort of stuck in neutral, and then Ottawa would have a couple of shifts where they'd create a decent chance here and there, maybe force a turnover, and then kind of go back to doing nothing. Generally speaking, both teams at 5v5, not good to watch. Hence why they all seemed to spend it on the power play. It was just a a really lackluster second period, and I feel like Winnipeg didn't really have enough of the wherewithal to actually see this game through. As the period wore on, I just sort of expected the Jets to concede another goal and end up losing. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I could sort of feel like Winnipeg wasn't scoring a goal on this evening. Fast forward to the third period, and the Jets actually did manage to score a singular goal, this one courtesy of Josh Morrissey. He dropped to the left face-off circle, shot one that somehow leaked through Gustafson, and tied the game. I guess technically you could say the Jets did deserve this goal. It's not like they didn't create anything on the night, and certainly Gustafson did have to make a couple of really good saves here and there, but beyond that, I just, I don't know. I didn't really feel like the scoreline was something where I felt like the Jets were being straight-up robbed, you know, to only be tied 1-1. I felt like the Jets more or less deserved the scoreline. It wasn't like they should be up by, like, two or three or even four goals or anything like that. They weren't that great. If anything, it was a little bit embarrassing that the Jets hadn't capitalized on like five or six power plays that they had, and it's just, how do you get that many odd man situations that you're not able to score on? What does it take for the Jets to actually get their special teams back in order? I think it would be one thing if I felt like the Ottawa defense was actually restraining the Jets and holding them back and keeping Winnipeg at bay, but in general it was just like the the Sens making tons of mistakes and somehow Winnipeg not really finding a way to capitalize. We also saw a continued reliance on guys like Tucker Pullman on the back end who really can't handle top-pairing minutes. You know, if you're going to run defenders out there, make sure that you give Dylan DeMello tons of ice time. Stop putting Tucker Pullman on on a pedestal like he's capable of being a number two or number one D. He's not. He's really struggling in these minutes, and in certain moments he actually almost conceded a goal because he had a really bad turnover right in front of Laurent Brassois. So I I just don't really understand why this coaching staff continues to lean on guys who are most definitely like second or or third pairing guys. Definitely third pairing in the case of somebody like Pullman, who's not really capable of going beyond a number six role. And so I, I just, I don't get it, man. I think Winnipeg has made a lot of mistakes, but the defensive deployments this year especially have been among the most egregious. Their best two-way defender in Dylan DeMello plays the least of almost all of them. I think only Logan Stanley or whatever other rookie they find is the guy who plays a little bit less than DeMello does. That fact alone is pretty horrendous. It's, It's maybe not enough that you say a coach deserves to get fired, but from my perspective, it's pretty egregious and certainly deserves at least a bit of a look. The reliance on these big physical D who can't really skate almost cost the Jets on multiple occasions, Foreboard actually got walked, I think it was by, I don't know, maybe Shane Pinto or, or it, maybe it was Alex Formenton, I forget which forward came in, but Foreboard basically got walked and rooted to the spot and, and allowed a really high danger opportunity to the sense who weren't really creating much as it was. Like, that's the craziest thing, it's not like Ottawa was taking a ton of shots and really great dangerous opportunities down low, it, it was like a, a shot here and there maybe a couple of times per period and not much else going on. They certainly had a lot less power plays than the Jets did, and it's kind of embarrassing that Winnipeg somehow went 0 for 6 the entire night. To add insult to injury, in the third period right before the end of regulation, Winnipeg actually conceded the game winning goal to Nikita Zaitsev on a slap shot that. Frankly, should have been blocked and covered by at least a winger or a defender. Someone, anyone, really. And the worst part was you you basically saw it coming. There was a ton of disorganized play. Guys were skating around trying to chase their markings. And somehow Zaitsev was just left alone on the right faceoff circle. This is probably a shot that I, I don't think should be going in over Boursois' shoulder, but it is what it is. It's pretty fair to say that Winnipeg deserved the goal against and that they had been playing very disorganized, loose hockey for most of the game. Certainly not hockey that really earns a win. The Sens are certainly a bad team, but if you think about it, the Jets weren't really playing all that much better. Sure, the the shot clock might look really favorable to the Jets, but in terms of, like, actual goal scoring threat and whatnot, Winnipeg was very sparse and limited. This now makes it Winnipeg's 7th straight loss, which is the longest losing streak in Jets 2.0 history, and that's certainly an impressive feat considering... This is probably the weakest division the Jets have played in, in years. I gotta be honest, the North Division is not really that strong. It's it's not a division where I think there are that many great teams. There are definitely a handful of decent teams, um, one or two of them even really being good, but the rest of them either have a couple of star players that have elevated them far beyond what you would expect, aka Connor Hellebuck for the Jets, and then, of course, you have the bottom of the division like Ottawa and Calgary and some of these other teams, but you think about it, and I don't I don't think the Jets are actually that much better than any of those really bad bottom-tier teams. For perspective, Winnipeg is now 27-21-3, and, and Ottawa is 20-27-5. So, that's, that's, you know, like six games of difference, really. This is a Sens team, by the way, that's supposed to be competing for a lotto pick, and Winnipeg is barely outpacing them. Over the past few weeks, in fact, The Sens and the Jets actually have a very similar points percentage and record, so not really a flattering sign if you're a Jets fan thinking about the postseason. Before we cover any of the fun developments this evening that have now put the Jets in a bit of a different spot when it comes to the postseason picture you really ought to know about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, you know that I'm personally a huge fan of them. If you still have no idea what I'm talking about, Built Bars are fantastic because they're the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They've got a base setup of nine fantastic flavors including raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cherry, coconut almond, and coconut. But if those somehow don't tickle your fancy, Bilt Bar also drops a handful of limited edition flavors as well, so you'll want to subscribe to Bilt Bar's email to stay in the loop. If you can't pick any single flavor, be sure to check out the variety box which gives you all 9 flavors with 2 of each flavor. As good as Bilt Bar's taste, they're even better for you, with many flavors clocking in at 180 calories or less, between 4-5 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17-18 or 18 grams of protein. Heck, you can even order some for Mother's Day, which is coming up this May 9th. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is here and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back with the first leg of the Triple Crown. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, MMA, and so many other fantastic sports. All in one spot. Before the next pitch, face-off, Triple Crown race and mid-match whistle, log on to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and get in on the contests. Stop sitting on the sidelines and be part of your team's playoff journey. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag, and when you do, be sure to use promo code On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code On for your 50% welcome bonus when you register for a free account at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are thinking about the Jets versus the Senators, and now the ramifications of falling behind 2-1 in this game in which they lost. And certainly they have now lost their hold on the spot number three in the standings in the North Division. It seems like Montreal has now tied them in the standings, which not super surprising. The Habs have been a little bit better as of late, and Winnipeg losing to this team the other night certainly split the difference on that scoreline as well. So not really great news for the Jets. What I will say is that maybe falling to fourth for the Jets is actually a blessing in disguise because playing against the uh, the, the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs is probably not going to benefit the Jets all that much. Whereas if they face the Leafs, they might actually have more of a chance just because I think in many ways Toronto has some of the same vulnerabilities defensively. Um, But, you know, again, the Leafs are a much better team, I would say. You're really choosing between two likely playoff first round exit scenarios. Which one do you want? The one that's a lot more fun or the one in which Winnipeg basically just gets stifled by the Oilers? It's like choosing between two equally bad options, and neither one is particularly appealing, but at least if the Jets lose to Toronto, you could say, well, they lost to the superior team and not a squad that's basically two lines and an AHL squad. The Leafs are a pretty legitimate opponent, so, um, yeah, I don't expect Winnipeg will win that either. Now, if this this table does hold and Montreal ends up actually moving up into third place... It shows a pretty fair reflection of how the Jets have been playing for a while now. I'll say that, like, Winnipeg's not necessarily bad enough to be in the bottom tier of the North Division, but they're certainly not good enough to be in the top three. If if the Jets were to, like, get back into third place, I'm not really sure I'd actually be excited about that because the prospect of playing the Oilers again after... Edmonton has won 7 of 9 matchups. Um, Certainly doesn't leave much of a great taste in in the mouth, so I'm not really excited about the Jets playing Edmonton, but I I certainly think, regardless of the Jets playing any team, they're not making it out of round 1. It's going to be a short series, and I think tonight's game against the Senators reminds us that the Jets just don't really seem to have much in the tank left. Without Ehlers, the offense definitely plummets considerably. The power play was pretty pathetic. Uh, Just not really much to write home about on this one. I look at this team's results and process recently, and I'm not really seeing where the Jets aren't getting due for what they've actually produced. The Jets just aren't good, and I think it's starting to show itself in very painstaking fashion. Are they bad enough to fall out of the postseason? No, I doubt it. I think it would rely on, you know, a a Calgary or something advancing and winning out in their schedule, which just doesn't seem all that likely. That there's even a conversation about that, though, really shows that the Jets have fallen off considerably, and in Paul Maurice's comments tonight, he's not really saying much about it. He's like, yeah, we're not going to panic about it. We're not going to think about my job security. We're just going to try and work really hard, and we're trying to fix things, which tells me that they don't really know what the problem is, or if they do know the problem, they don't actually have a plan to solve it. It seems like the Jets are continually spinning their wheels, and they have like six or seven games left in the regular season, which is a very comforting thought when you think about the fact that the Jets are rolling in with a seven-game losing streak in their recent history. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about the Jets. I think I've sort of exhausted my rants and stuff at this point. You you sort of know how I feel about it. Winnipeg is what it is. It's not going to change. And until the the team makes, like, a coaching staff change, I think we can expect disappointment for the foreseeable future. I'm not saying that the next guy who steps in as the coaching staff member is going to be an instant fix, but at least it's something different. I'm going to cap the pity party there for tonight. We'll probably have some more thoughts as the week continues to roll on and the Jets approach their playoff opponents in the very near future. For now, though, that is going to do it for tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski, Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!